hearty welcome to you all to our Climate Justice Sunday. We are in the middle of, of COP26, and this is a big event for Scotland, but not only for Scotland, but for world leaders and countries all over. And we are doing this in unison with many other Church of Scotland congregations, but other denominations within the UK and, and around the world as well, to pray and to intercede that there will be a sense of, of unity among the leaders gathering in Glasgow, and that they will be of one mind and one spirit as well going forward as we, as Christians, realize and take our, our responsibility as stewards of this beautiful planet really seriously. Um, this morning, I'm grateful that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, chose us his crown, the crown of his creation, to be his stewards. And this is an important mission we all have. And I greet you thus this morning in the name of this creative creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I want to start today by showing you three images, and it's images I came across this past week, and it's stories of pain and suffering across the globe because of grave injustices. So you will see here, this is a picture taken in Madagascar. It's the world's fourth largest island, a beautiful country with a unique ecosystem. Many plant and animal species found here, nowhere else in the world. There is unfortunately a, a dark side to this country. It is on the brink of climate change induced famine. According to the UN, which says tens of thousands of people are already suffering catastrophic levels of hunger and food insecurity after four years without rain. So you might know this, but if there's not rain, things don't grow, and then actually the topsoil, as you can see in this picture, it blows away and it leads to, to sandstorms. The UN said these are famine-like conditions and they're being driven by climate, not conflict. And people have, maybe you've seen this on the telly this week, reverted to eating insects. It's dire, dismal, and desperate. The next photo, was taken on the Gomorrah Mara Island, just east of the coast of India. And this island is disappearing. It's literally sinking. In 10 years, seawater has swamped half the island and cyclones have hammered the rest. Many hundreds of people have already fled to nearby islands, driving calls for a planned retreat. People are being displaced, fleeing out of necessity to survive because of rising sea levels. Salt ends up in drinking water and irrigation water is compromised. Crops can't be watered and people can't be fed. And it has massive knock-on effects. Friends, this is, this is no coincidence, these occurrences. Many others happen as well due to global warming. We've seen the fires. We've seen the devastation of, of cyclones and hurricanes. 
And we are responsible for this, the human race. The irony here is as follows. 70% of the world's population contributes to something like 10% of its carbon emission. So 70% of, which is about 5 billion people, only contribute to about a tenth of the carbon emissions. People living on these islands, for example, live very simple lives. They don't pollute the way rich and wealthy countries like us do. Those in absolute poverty pay the price for our greed. Someone once said something that stuck with me. There is more than enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. We're killing people with our need for more, to hoard and to accumulate, and we don't even know it. So today, friends, it's not about making you feel guilty about your lifestyle, but it's about awareness. And if you're sick and tired of these images, then I will pray that they will have an effect on you to increase your capacity for, for empathy and to take action, which we will also talk a bit more about later. We often think, well, it doesn't really affect us as much here in the UK, in Scotland, and who really cares. But this picture, the following picture, draws it a bit closer to home. Doesn't look like much, but this is called the Sphinx from a few weeks ago. The UK's largest lasting patch of snow has now melted not far from where the world's leaders are meeting to discuss how to tackle global warming in mild weather at the end of October. Before the year 2000, it melted only three times in the past 150 years. Before that, it is not believed to have melted since the 1700s. According to records, the Sphinx previously melted fully in 1933, 1959, 96, 2003, and then it increases 2006, 2017, 2018, and then this year. It's more frequent melting has coincided with the UK's average temperature rising by almost one degree Celsius. Every Christian has the calling to take care of God's creation, to nurture it. It says in this passage, for all things have been created through him and for him. And then it says later, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When I read this, I hear something of, Inclusiveness. I hear Paul reminding the church in Colossae that Jesus came to reconcile to himself the Father, not only humanity, but all living things on heaven and earth, animals, plants, mountains, rivers, to live in peace, in harmony with one another. This must serve as a light bulb moment, using renewable energy, of course. We had the privilege on Friday night of watching Beauty and the Beast at 
the Edinburgh Playhouse. Honestly, some of the best theater production I've ever seen. It was, it was incredible. The whole story of Beauty and the Beast is marinated in the gospel truth. Being made human, love casts out all fear. Gascon's image reflecting something of the Pharisees as inauthenticity. It's all there, but there's this pivotal moment when Belle exchanges her life for her dad's to take his place. And then she tells the beast the following when he's lurking in the corners, come out of the darkness into the light so that I can see you for who you are, so that all can be revealed. Someone also once said, nothing good grows in the dark. That's why we address the issue with thousands upon thousands of other churches and Christians across the globe. It's not purely something we take lightly. And the reason for all this action from our point of view is not purely for preservation, but the source of our action, friends, is love. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly by being a voice for the voiceless, for those who can't defend themselves. Jesus always resides with the poor and the weak and the weary. And so, and so should we. The gospel is foolishness to those who feel they've figured it out, those who exploit and burn and cut down natural resources for their own benefit. But for us who believe in reconciliation and peace and unity, it makes a world of a difference. And you know what? I'm, I'm so excited that younger people, the generation Zs that we refer to, take this call seriously. Young people are leading the way. And not only the Greatas, but Christians too. As you know, our congregation played hosts to a few pilgrims on their way to COP26, and they kindly agreed to an interview to help us understand why climate justice should be high on our radar for every Christian. And I think we'd be wise to listen more to these modern day prophets. I was amazed by these young people's passion and zeal, their enthusiasm to get involved, to raise their voices, to speak out against injustice. So what we're going to do now in the next 11 minutes is listen to a few of these young people, two young people in particular. We recorded this interview two weeks ago, exactly today, a fortnight ago, um, in light of and with preparation for today's service. So I'd like you to listen to these two young people and really learn from them in, in the process. Okay, great. Welcome, everyone. We are very privileged to have a few pilgrims with us from the YCCN. And uh, we have Rachel and Tash here with us. And um, they've kindly agreed just to have a bit of a chat with us about their journey over the last few months. And um, let's maybe just start off by uh, introducing yourselves and just telling us one or two sentences about yourself. 
So I am Tash. I am the mobilisation coordinator for the relay to COP26. Um, so I've been helping coordinate the whole relay um, from Cornwall, which started on June 14th. And we've walked, we've zigzagged up the country and we are now in our final week as we walk from Edinburgh <laughs> to Glasgow in time for COP26. Yeah, and I'm Rachel. Um, usually I'm based in Sheffield. Um, obviously not right now. Um, and normally during the week I'm working for different charities, uh, but I'm also one of the Relay co-leads, um, just doing so like behind the scenes, making it work across 20 weeks of walking across the UK. Awesome. So what is YCCN? Um, so YCCN stands for Young Christian Climate Network. Um, it was set up last August during the pandemic um, and it was a group of us coming together and feeling like we really cared about the environment but we weren't act, like active in any kind of group or any campaigning specifically. Um, we made like individual lifestyle kind of decisions and that kind of thing but we wanted to do something a bit more than that um, and so we kind of came together, it's ecumenical, we're all kind of 18 to 30 um, and we see um, like being active on climate justice as part of our kind of Christian faith um, and the relay has been one of the things that we've chosen to do as part of um, the network. Why should something like climate justice be important to Christians? I think that um, the message of the gospel has always been focused around the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is a place of justice, of peace and equality. And I think the um, messages that Jesus gave around those um, were that we are to collaborate with God and with Christ to bring about that just peace and equal place. And that's not just among um, us as humans, although it absolutely is. Um, that's also about having a, a just relationship with our planet and with all the other inhabitants, human and non-human alike as well. Um, and yeah, is the I think so one of the one of the like ways I kind of came into this was just understanding how much of a big deal climate change is for people across the world. And yeah. in October 2018, there was um, a really significant report by uh, the IPCC, which is Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, um, and they said the difference between 1.5 degrees of global warming and 2 degrees of warming was several hundred million people in poverty. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that's so significant. And at the moment, like the projections for the world is way above 2 degrees. Mm -hmm. So as you kind of, every, every bit of warming increases, um, like not only like the um, disruption to weather patterns and all the rest of it but also like you think of climate change as like a threat multiplier so mm -hmm. um, everything also gets disrupted and um, so people's livelihoods and lives and you see increases in conflict inequality migration you name it um, and so actually it's on the like most basic level to love God and love your neighbour what does that mean in yeah. this context and actually being active and like paying attention to the conversations around climate yeah. change I think is something add, like as part of our Christian faith and discipleship is being responsive to that wider context as well. Absolutely and I think as people of faith we have a really unique um, point to bring to climate activism which is which is hope 
um, and that we carry hope with us. Climate, um, the climate crisis reports on sort of what's going on in our world can be so terrifying and uh, create so much anxiety. But as people of faith, we have hope and hope that things will change. And I think that's something as well, really unique that we can bring to climate activism. So you are on your way to COP26. What, what is the hope for you thinking of this gathering of world leaders? What, what would be the ideal happening at, at COP26? So on one level, it's like countries' commitments. So since 2015 on the Paris Agreement, countries need to update and revise their ambition every five years. So this is actually the first time that those countries are doing that. Um, and at the moment, to bring what like the current pledges are in line with a trajectory for 1.5 degrees, mm-hmm. um, that's five times more ambitious than where we're up to now. So that's a big gap that is trying to be closed. So that's mm-hmm. like a, a high level thing. Uh, but there are also agreements that need making, particularly, and the thing that we've been talking about a lot on the relay is about climate finance. Um, there was a promise made in 2009 for like 100 billion dollars a year of climate finance by the year 2020 and um, from the wealthiest nations to those who are most climate vulnerable um, and that hasn't been met yet um, but that 100 billion dollars although it sounds like a lot that's between all like loads of countries to achieve a transition across loads of different sectors um, and so f- finance is a huge barrier to countries both in terms of um, the things they need to do in order to reduce um, emissions as they are but also in terms of like the adaptation so or um, things which were that effects are already being felt and costs are already being felt um, and at the moment a lot of climate vulnerable countries and um, they feel the effects of climate change and then they either need to pay for the costs themselves or they take out like loans and debt um, and particularly after the pandemic that's just not a sustainable model and um, if we keep going down that kind of route, um, as the impacts become more frequent and more severe, global inequalities are going to rapidly increase. So as we've been walking the relay, as Rachel said, we've been focusing on climate finance and that $100 billion a year that's been pledged by rich countries to poor countries. And whilst we've been going along, we have been meeting with MPs and MSPs, writing to MPs and MSPs as well to ask them to sign on to our pledge, um, which pledges that um, an MP will call on the UK government to mobilise and increase that $100 billion a year of climate finance from the rich countries at COP, um, as well as writing to the Foreign Office on a constituent's behalf as well to ask the same. And in terms of our own personal responsibility towards the ecology and the environment. What can we as just normal parishioners do um, to lessen our carbon footprint? So I always say it's like three major things. So it's diet, travel and finance. Um, So diet reducing uh, the amount of meat that you eat is just a really obvious way. So that can be as simple as like just learning more vegetarian recipes that you like. and travel is things like um, reducing your car use and not flying. Um, and then finance, um, if you don't know where your pension is, <laughs> uh, then it's invested in fossil fuels. <laughs> um, and so looking at where your money is invested, both in terms of um, the savings and um, like that kind of thing is a really significant way that you can be part of 
that shift from financing a fossil fuel based economy into one that's proactively providing a future uh, that's livable. Absolutely. And beyond that, using your voice as somebody who is uh, votes and is part of a civic society and getting in touch with our elected members of parliament um, to ask them to make the changes, the systemic changes that are needed at a governmental and an industry industry level to see the, the big changes that need to be made that are beyond just that individual actions as well. And then finally, um, just a, a last word from each of you to maybe the, the congregation and, and, and maybe many congregations for that matter, um, in terms of our responsibility going forward. Well, that's a good question. Well, f well firstly, thank you <laughs> uh, for hosting us and having this conversation and being engaged um, and just like openness to conversations mm. is really important and really valued. Mm. Um, but I think also um, for me, I look ahead um, to the rest of my like adult life and all the rest of it. And I see that climate change is going to just be a feature all the way through. Um, and I hope that the story will become one of um, one where we make sensible decisions that help us navigate um, this globally um, and that that plays out well over my lifetime. But I'm also looking at it being like, oh, maybe it, it might not. Um, and so just thinking about um, how we can, as Christians and people in churches, be part of that conversation and helping the right decisions to get made over the coming decades is really important. Absolutely. And I would echo Rachel's thanks as well. The relay that we've been on wouldn't have been possible without hundreds and hundreds of churches across England, Scotland and Wales that have, have, have supported us out of the generosity of their, of their, of their hearts. Um, so thank you so much. But also as well, I think there's a, a huge amount that can be um, changed as a community rather than as individuals. And I think churches have a huge advantage that we're, we're already built mini communities. Um, and looking at tackling the climate crisis as a community and on a corporate level um, can feel so much more manageable and so much more sustainable um, than just thinking I'm on my own and I, I have to fight this just by myself um, because the answer will be based in community and it will be based with us all working together. Um, but yes, thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your presence and it's so inspiring listening to both of you. Um, God bless you on the rest of your journey. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Awesome. I don't know about you, but listening to young people speak with so much confidence um, speaking out against injustices makes me yeah it fills me with a lot of hope for the future as well so let us ask the god of creation to pour his love upon us as we commit ourselves to care for god's creation upon the rich earth send the blessing O lord let the earth be fruitful and creation's treasures holy. Inspire us to love your world and all its people. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>